so, Caroline Highhill, you are, well, welcome to the Share Chair. Thank you. <laughs> well, you're a Spring Lake alum. Yes, I went to Spring Lake, graduated, and I went to Michigan State, and then did teaching, and this is my 14th year. How is it teaching back in the district where you went? Well, I had to get down the hallway. People still recognize me that I had, like, as fifth graders and as fourth uh, graders. So that's really fun. Uh -huh. You know, they're way taller than me, and they uh -huh. look a little different, but they still remember me. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Jeffers for two years. I'm at, uh, this is my fourth year at Holmes, and I was at the intermediate for a brief summer, okay. and then they pulled me out. Oh, is that what happened? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I was going to teach sixth grade, and then they said, actually, we need you at second grade. So. Okay. So yeah. that's where you are. Uh -huh. <laughs> I actually love helping kids be good people. Mm -hmm. And I think a huge part of kindergarten is that. How do you treat people? How do you treat humanity? Mm -hmm. um, how can you give back? And like our motto this year is we may be small, but we have a, we can make big change. Good. So just empowering those those little kids to be able to mm -hmm. say, you know what, I see something wrong and I can change it. This year, um, my principal challenged me. She said, you've done charity projects in the past, mm -hmm. but it's more just kids bringing in things purchased by their parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I want to stretch you. I want you to think about how you can include kids in the whole process. Mm -hmm. So the first project we did was the blanket project. We built, uh, tied 40 blankets. Mm -hmm. We had the kids bring in the fabric. They cut it. They tied it. We walked it over to the People Center. They got to put it in the bin that said blankets. And then we walked back. So that was a huge full circle of understanding because kids aren't abstract thinkers at that time. Mm -hmm. And now, um, last week we had a food drive for kids hope ba kids basket, uh -huh. and the kids got to say, "Well, where do these where does this food go?" Uh -huh. So next month we are going to take a bus and go to the Muskegon Kids Food Basket and put together the baskets, Perfect. and kind of do that whole process, that full circle process again. You brought in the food. Now what happens to the food? Yeah. So. That's, that's kind of just yeah. how I'm trying to do it. I don't know if I'm doing it well, but I'm at least attempting. No, that's yeah. amazing. One of the reasons that I wanted to speak to you is to really understand the story of your last three years? Almost two, two and a half. Two and yeah. a half years. Two years ago, December, I passed out at school, hmm. continued to kind of pass out randomly for about six months. Doctors oh. were thinking I had a heart issue. Doctors thought I had low blood pressure. Then they thought I had not enough salt. So it was just a crazy back and forth, back and forth. And my kindergartners were impacted by it. My school was impacted by it because I was passing out in the hallway, in the gymnasium. Mm. And it, there was no warning sign. Mm. And overall, I've had a very uneventful health life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it would, just, it would just happen. I would just drop. Finally, in June, my, I was at my niece's birthday party at the pool. We were having a great day. And my husband was like, there's something wrong. You are not right. Mm -hmm. And I cannot take this one more day. So mm -hmm. we drove up to um, Spectrum, and they did a bunch of tests. And then the guy said, well, you're young, but we, might, we should probably do an MRI since it hasn't been done. I'm sure it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. 
so it was just my husband and I, and we were thinking, we'll just get this over with and we'll move on. And then he came back and he said, you have a mass on your brain. And it's on your balance nerve and your auditory nerve, and that's why you're probably dropping. Huh. Um, she, and he said you probably have had it for a decade. Wow. But it hasn't caused problems until yeah. now. Okay. So I think that was where, you know, my bravery started yeah, because I had to tell my mom and my dad. I had to tell my brothers, my sister. And my kids. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and yeah. how many children do you have? Two. Okay. And, and they were four and six at the time. As September approached, my my um, surgery date was September 18th. So I had to tell my school that I wouldn't be coming back for a while. Mm -hmm. That was hard. Um, but then the doctors at Mayo Clinic in Rochester mm -hmm. assured me, oh, in 12 weeks you'll be right back at it. Mm -hmm. And you'll be, you can start school in January. I don't know, I remember getting pulled into the surgery and my husband looking back at me and my mom and I could tell they were crying and, I don't know, it was yeah. hard. Yeah, of course. Then it was 11 hours surgery. Yeah. And so they had wow. like a little ticker, like almost like a ticker for like stock market. And it would say like, patient number 63 still in surgery oh, yes, <laughs> yes. you know person is stable and so my parents which, and my husband just watched the ticker and wait for my my number mm. and um, I came out and it looked good everything looked good and um, I thought that would be the hardest part but it wasn't the surgery actually was the pretty easy part okay it was the after effect of getting back to me mm -hmm. or the best version of me I could have yeah. Um, I lost all my hearing on my left side. Um, Still to this day? I yeah, mean, it's gone know, forever. It's gone forever. Mm -hmm. Because they so had, what, yeah. What, yeah, what was happening, what happened in the surgery? So then? typically they go right through your ear for this type of mm -hmm. tumor, but I had hearing. And so he's like, well, we don't want to damage your ear. Let's go. So he went above my ear in kind of an arch shape and took the tumor out. And in the process, he damage the blood supply to my hearing. Okay. And he said, there's 85 to 90% chance I won't be able to save it, but I'm going to try. The hardest thing has been having chronic pain for over a year, and you don't wear a button that says, I'm hurting every minute of this day. Yeah. I think that has been the hardest part. I, I, after I weaned off my steroids, um, I was hospitalized for pain. Mm -hmm. And um, it really hasn't gone away mm -hmm. for over a year and a half. I didn't go back to school in January. I didn't go back to school at spring break. And then school came, and I went to Dennis Furton, and I said, Dennis, if I'm going to do this job, I want to do it well. And I'm still not well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And so they worked with me and were wonderful, and I have been kind of crawling my way back to being a teacher. And okay. so I'm working part-time right now mm -hmm. in the mornings. The first time I had the pain, I was watching a Michigan State game, basketball, and, or football, and um, it was like somebody was hitting me with a hammer on top of my head mm. over and over and over again. And anybody who has migraines can attest to that. Mm -hmm. I was hospitalized. They gave me pain meds and then I went home and then it was like well now what 
because the pain's still there. Mm -hmm. And it's really just like post-surgical pain. There's, uh, they had to cut all the nerves in my neck. Wow. So there's a ton of like, whenever you get stressed, you know your t neck kind of tightens. Mm -hmm. There's that tense and then this side of my face was basically like a Bell's palsy droop. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, be it's pretty much better now, but all the pain on this side of my face would just kind of wrap around mm -hmm. like I was beat up. And that's pretty much how I feel every day at lots of points in the day. There's some points of the day I don't feel pain. And I guess that's part of my story is that coming back to work has been the best thing I could do to get better. I would get to noon and I would say to my teaching partner, Amy, oh my gosh, I have to take my medicine. I had forgotten because I was enjoying myself so much. Where before I would be like, okay, 20 more minutes and I can take this or do that or, and so all of a sudden I was realizing that my, me being happy with what I'm doing was distracting me from the pain I was going through. Mm -hmm. Realizing that the, the version of yourself today is all you can worry about and you try to be the best version of yourself today. With that perseverance throughout this really tough time for you, I know you have your husband and your kids. Yeah, I, I had a really good support mm -hmm. system, but I also I went through um, a, like a pain therapist mm. that kind of helped me identify the pain, when the pain happened, and what things I could physically do to help me get through the pain. My kids, their dad put them to bed for nine months. I didn't get to do it. And so I would sit on the sofa with ice packs on my head and my mind was saying, you're a bad mom. What were you thinking? You still can't get go do that. The psychologist really helped me to change my self-talk. Right now I can't do this, but I will. Right now I have a headache, but I won't always. And I think that was my biggest takeaway, that the hard part of this it doesn't have to be the whole part of me. It can just be a small part. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's, I think, you know, it was my whole life. For 10 months, my dad would come over. He'd make me breakfast. We'd do the ice pack. We would, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And then all of a sudden, I was like, I've got to start living. Mm -hmm. yeah. Humor was just a couple centimeters, like two and a yeah, half centimeters. Just a little bit will do. And I was like, can I see it? Like, I was thinking it'd come in a jar, you know, <laughs> like you see on the movies. And he's like, we remove it a cell at a time. Wow. And we put it down this tube that sucks it in and tests it at the end. But he said it's literally tiny microscopic cells. And that's yeah. what it takes 11 hours. Med student, he held my cerebellum for nine hours. Mm -hmm. wow. And so my neurologist now said, you know, you think about that. Your head was basically like shooken up like a jar of marbles. And your brain's only supposed to be in one spot. Yeah. yeah. I had a girlfriend that called me every day for almost a whole year. Huh. What you doing, Caroline? Are you up? Are you out of your PJs? Have you gone for a walk yet? Wow. Every single day. Wow. But that's because she knew I needed her that help. My whole school, they basically fed me for like nine months. Every day, oh. somebody would come and bring food. I mean, it was crazy the amount yeah. of outpouring. Any advice for maybe people who are going through this specific um, medical you know, process, mm -hmm. or just anyone who's in that state of mind where they're like, they can't get past that pain, even if it's not, you know, physical, physical. Mm -hmm. what 
what would you tell them? How would you help them? So much that I've learned. So much that I've taken away. But I think that setting a goal, small, <laughs> which is hard, and then also saying, I can do it even if it's not perfect. I can go to school, and if I get a headache and I have to leave an hour early, I still met my goal. If I go to a, a party and I only talk to two friends, I went to the party and I talked to two friends. You can be good enough for yourself in the process of getting better. Thanks for being on the share yeah, chair. Thank you, thank you thank so you much so. for inviting me. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Share Chair. Stay tuned next week for a new one. Also, check us out on Facebook and Twitter for regular updates at The Share Chair. And if you're interested in having a piece of your writing or an experience shared on the podcast, contact Elise McGannon at 203-505 at springlakestudents.org.